second episode of the new season and we're going to be talking about the west the suns came out last year nobody really had them there after their great bubble run the season before they were amazing great playoff run nobody's giving them a lot of credit this year it's the lakers and the jazz and a lot of predictions let's start with the lakers they brought in every old guy, basically, that they could. At one point, I don't think they had anybody on the roster below 30 uh, early in the free agency seating before they uh, re-signed Taylor Horton Tucker. What do you think the Lakers are going to look like this year? Does this new offense with uh, Russell Westbrook, is it going to get them there? Do they ever figure this out, this whole new mix of so many old players i have extreme skepticism right now having watched that's their, a lot for you for, for i their, mean not but for the lakers that, yeah i mean in the sense that i'm hopeful you know i root for lebron and have yeah for you know 10 years now um they've lost four preseason games uh they have looked abysmally in Ugly. all of them and <laughs> yeah. and it's not even just that it's when you're considering some of the teams that they're going up against um, the, you know, and I think even, you know, primary among them, um, the Suns, uh, you know, I, I think that they are being slept on. And from what we've seen in preseason, that magic, and it really was pretty magical in that playoff run with the way they moved the ball and the type of open shots that they got and the way that they drilled those those open shots. Um, that's continuing into this year. They're playing effortlessly. Um, they are um, they're going to be a real force, and the Lakers have a ton to figure out. A, a, a ton to figure out. I mean, the offense isn't really working at this point that we've seen, I, I think they'll work out something there, but whether it's enough to be winning championship basketball is, a, is, is, is like, we're not even talking about winning basketball yet. I don't know how they make a step after that. It's also just that, you know, just a couple of small things. I know we were going to start on the Lakers, but some of the deficiencies of the Suns, you know, when they got in that series against the Bucks um, were, um, Beyond DeAndre Ayton, they didn't have much on the front line. And I think that right. um, JaVale McGee is going to help them there. And that they, they, were, um, they were weaker in their second unit. Um, they were, they, basically, their shooting went down precipitously from their starters to their bench. And they just have more shooters now, too. I mean, like, I thought bringing in Landry Shamet is – you know, a nice pickup and like bringing back Alfred Payton um, is somebody who can distribute, you know, like as an off the bench uh, guard, um, you know, sort of a third point guard because um, they also still have Cameron Payne. Um, I just think that they're going to have a ton of options. They're going to be able to do, uh, do things. And the Lakers right now with, um, you know, a cornucopia of old talent, um, of, of yesteryear talent, um, they have configurations that could work, but none of them have shown themselves um, to have that spark yet. And uh, and we've seen everybody. <laughs> we've seen we've yeah. seen the entire team now. We've yeah. seen we've seen them kind of like put different pieces together. And when you listen to um, you know the Los Angeles pods and you read 
um, the, the, you know, Lakers fan media, um, you get a lot of comparisons back to that 2012 team, was it, that when Steve Nash and Dwight Howard were brought in and, and they lost, <laughs> they lost yeah. every game in the preseason and they had yeah. big expectations that year and it never clicked. Yeah. You know, the team never yeah. came together. Well, I mean, even looking at this team, as soon as they named Trevor Ariza the probable starter, you know, now he's out for 30 games. Um, you know, they, they signed DeAndre Jordan. And that was a big surprise. Like, I, does he play meaningful NBA minutes ever again? I mean, they're going to start him. I mean, apparently he's going to. I, I don't know that's the best idea, but. So, I, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I guess I, I, in looking at these two rosters, uh, something that jumped out at me is that it feels like the Lakers built a playoff team that is now going to have to play um, an 82 game regular season. And <laughs> well put. Uh, nice. and, and the Suns have a more well balanced roster that I think will be uh, able to succeed in the, both the regular season and the postseason, as we saw them do last year. They mostly brought back, you know, all the principles. But yeah, it feels like the Lakers are like basically betting on the overwhelming power of LeBron James and Anthony Davis. Yeah. Too soon. They're they're betting on that in the regular season. And obviously they brought in Russell Westbrook to like shoulder some of the offensive burden and take right. it off of Le- LeBron specifically, but also off of Davis. But in doing so, they got rid of all the depth and basically all the two-way players that yep. made the roster viable and helped them win the title in the bubble. So yeah, I don't want to like just harp on that trade. You know, a lot of people have talked about that they would have preferred the Kings trade that was offered that would have landed them Buddy Heald and allowed them right. to keep some of their uh, depth. Um, and I don't know, maybe things will work out with Russell Westbrook, but it's not a good sign, as you said, when Trevor Ariza is going to be penciled in as the starting two guard uh, or, or three on your team and then three. immediately gets injured. <laughs> and the remaining healthy player is Wayne Ellington, who's never been a good defender. He's an incredible shooter. And I guess the theory is that he's going to be flanked by LeBron, AD, and maybe DeAndre Jordan. So right. it'll be hard for folks to score at the rim. I'm not, I'm not sure that that... I watching the preseason so far, I would think that Malik Monk um, and Kent Bazemore are more likely to be in the starting line. I mean, or, the early or, reports or, that it was going to be Ariza and Ellington to start. Maybe that's yeah. changed with Ariza going out. Maybe there's a balance there that is now off. Right. But that I those think were the is. first reports. I think there's a balance that's off. But well, and we'll Monk, see. Monk showed out. Okay, you know, they may get something out of him. I the one signing I really liked was the uh Kendrick Nunn signing, like it flew under the radar a little, but um, could be a spot that really helps him on that roster. Uh, Dalen, like, you've talked about before on the pod, like uh, you know, obviously because he was on the heat back then and he had that uh, sort of stellar start to the season what would have that have been 2019 um yeah um yeah I mean I think I don't know what the numbers say off the top of my head but just like feel wise I think he had a better rookie year than year two um yeah. and there's a I mean there's kind of like a, a level of diminishing return with Kendrick Nunn he's kind of he's not ball dominant but he 
he likes to take shots from inefficient spots on the floor. He likes to get in the mid range and shoot uh, like the mid range pull up and the floater. And he kind of needs the ball in his hands. And he's not like a super quick decision maker. Like you could see when he was on the heat, especially when they were at their best uh, in the lead up to the bubble. Um, and then in the bubble, there was just a difference uh, in the way he operated, you know, like everyone else, Duncan Robinson, Jimmy Butler, Bam Adebayo, they're all making quick decisions and none wants to like set up his moves. He wants to get into a pick and roll. He wants to meander to the, to the mid range and take a shot. So, you know, that, that player archetype is like hard to make work unless you're super, super, super efficient. And it's going to be obviously hard to make work when he's playing with LeBron and Russell Westbrook, like all that to say, he's a good player. I think he'll remain a good player. Um, but like, I think you would maybe prefer a slightly different player archetype, but yeah, the, the weird thing here is Kendrick Nunn and Malik Monk probably in the aggregate are just better than Wayne Ellington and Trevor Ariza and, and, um, Baysmore and Mello, but like they're better (laughs) in such a way that like, you don't really want them monk you do i think you do want monk playing with lebron so him starting makes sense to me if he can hold up on defense but none i don't think you really want playing with lebron i mean everything you described about none makes him the perfect backup for west russell westbrook like yeah yeah, yeah, exactly So okay, now that uh, do do you want any last word on the Lakers, Kyle? I want to give you last word here since since you know more than we do. I think the I only mean, thing I'll I'll do is we I think it's, it's a good transition. We could stay in the Pacific Division. The Lakers have lost twice to um, the Warriors, um, and they're going to face the Warriors in the first game of the season. And I know Golden State remains for Jalen. Um, a uh you know a, a favorite um you know a, a point of interest and so i wonder if you might just take them up now yeah yeah, yeah sure i mean i think the the i guess i'll say one last word on the lakers is that you know ad could have a bounce back year and i'm not saying that's going to fix all their problems but you know maybe in a fantasy basketball context it could be a big year for ad if he can manage to stay healthy and it's going to have to be a big year both offensively and defensively if they want to get where they want to go um, and have the record they hope to have and to add to that russell westbrook has publicly stated he is going to take ad back to his old heights <laughs> so the intention because there. ad clearly <laughs> needs that from russell westbrook <laughs> i'm just up. saying the intention is there it just looks like a mess right now so um but yeah, let's skip ahead to the Warriors, um, the draft picks, Clay coming back, the problem at the five. Uh, what do you see, Jalen? Yeah, so I, I wrote a, a fantasy team preview about the Warriors for Razball, and in so doing, in my introduction, I said that the team makes more sense, at least on paper this year, and I firmly believe that. Like the players that they brought in flawed as they are make much more sense alongside Steph Curry. I'm talking about specifically players like Nemanja Bialica. I'm talking about Otto Porter Jr. Guys who can space the floor um, so that Steph Curry isn't going to be triple teamed when he's having a hot night. That just makes more sense. Moses Moody has looked pretty good the past couple games in the preseason. He's another shooter. He shot. I think. Yeah. Yeah. So and not only that, Jordan Poole looks pretty damn good. Um, he could be a six man of the year candidate this <laughs> yeah. year. So if he gets he, enough games at it. 
like yeah he's i think he's he gonna start starting at the two for yeah 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 he's gonna start until uh clay gets back and like this is the thing so we can use this to transition or maybe we can talk about both teams at the same time a weird thing is happening to my view in the media where people are pretty high on the clippers this year and there's mixed feelings about the Warriors. some people are high on them some people are not and I think the Clippers are a deeper team. They're like reserve players are better, maybe have better two-way talent. But I started thinking about it and like what everyone doing is trusting Paul George to be the best player on an, on a Western Conference team and lead them to a top four, top six seed in the Western Conference. And I just thought about it. I'm like, Steph Curry's better than Paul George. Um, and Draymond Green is better, better. than <laughs> whoever you want to say is the second best player on that team. Yeah. And who's the third best player? Who's the second and third best players on on the Clippers? One of them is Re- Reggie Jackson is in the top three with Kawhi out. It's Reggie Jackson, Marcus Morris. I mean, yeah, it's 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 tough. I mean, Terrence Mann will be good, but he's not there yet. Because yeah, it just Batum seems, will be good, but he's old, and they're going to protect him. It, it just seems I, like we're I like grafting on. This, the, the playoff performance and bring it into a regular season context, I just don't think yeah. it's going to work as well. Um, I don't think Paul George The part of it, though, either. that I think that does carry over is that they still have Ty Lue as a coach, and he is – I mean, he's proven himself to be – I mean, he can't, he can't make Paul George – he, he can't get Paul George <laughs> to the free throw line or get him to the basket and make – score more efficiently around the basket. He can't, like – I mean, but he I can just, put interesting combinations of players out there and empower them and get them to play hard. And, you know, like what they did in the playoffs last year wasn't a joke. And um, and the three one comeback against the the Warriors wasn't a joke, like something yeah. that he's doing is real. And I get what you're saying. I, I really I truly. Yeah, he I, had I LeBron say, James on his team. What are we talking <laughs> about? The three one comeback. It's a lot easier to do that when you have LeBron freaking James on your team. Like, I'm not, I don't disagree with you. I think Ty Lue is a good coach and I think he'll institute good stuff. I'm just, I'm just questioning. I'm, I'm sort of just ushering people well, to the part fact of my, that. Part of my response to you should, should say that in, in your discussion, it led me to depths of pessimism that got me to thinking that, like, yeah, look at this roster. I mean, they really could fall out of the playoffs. I mean, like, well, that's they, my, that was my really, next question. Yeah. Are they a playoff team? Are they a play-in team? Are they, then, do they even make it? But then my just my belief in Ty Lue as a coach says that probably they're not going to fall out of the playoffs. That they they are they're going to put together, um, you know. Um, a competitive season in a way that they aren't maybe they are a play in I guess my bold prediction is if Steph Curry is healthy for the majority of the year I think the Warriors will finish higher than the Clippers I think that would be my bold prediction I I mean I I find it pretty easy to believe though I'm not uh, (laughs) I'm I'm willing to go along with you there but that may be my anti-LA bias era you know who knows like it's did some of this come out though when Andrew Wiggins was still say questionable no I mean I think now he's I think a lot of people have the Clippers as like a top four seed in the West and like it's not crazy but it's just like is Reggie is Reggie Jackson gonna be uh as good as he was 
uh, in the playoffs last year. Again, Eric Bledsoe has has not looked good for a couple of years, and they everyone named was him like, a "Starter over Terrence Mann." It hurts me inside <laughs> for that to happen. And everyone's like, "He's he wasn't trying in New Orleans," but like. He shot the three better, I think, than he did in previous seasons. He was trying on in that part of the game. Like, is is trying suddenly going to make him better at shooting or finishing around the basket? Like, I don't might make him a better defender, but Eric Bledsoe is what he is. And like, I like Justice Winslow. Obviously, he played for the Heat. He's a fun player. He has to stay healthy, though. Like, I just think there's more there's more precarity here than I think is in the media right now. That's, that's really all I'm saying, but can we bring one last team into the mix here and then maybe do a Pacific Pacific division ranking? We've, we've gone through all of them, so we might as well. We haven't talked about the jazz. Is that what you're doing? No, no, just the Pacific division here. Like, (laughs) Oh, just Pacific. Gotcha. gotcha. Let's, let's talk about the Kings real quick. And then I, and then I actually want to get maybe, you know, I'll offer mine first, uh, um, a division ranking. Um, but, um, the Kings, um, so, first of all, I mean, are we going to see a trade? Uh, I think De'Aaron Fox for, say, a Ben Simmons is a, is a very natural trade. Ben Simmons is coming back. Ben Simmons is going to play games. Ben Simmons might look very good. Who knows? You know, um, and, you know, he tends to in the regular season. If he's going to play hard, it might be in his best interest to look good if he actually wants to be traded, you know, and he comes back, he plays hard. Um, some of the talk has been, of course, that, uh, you know, De'Aaron Fox would be a very good trade, maybe more reasonable would be a Buddy Heald. Um, is there going to be a trade with the Kings? Um, if there's not a trade, um, where do we think that they they fit this year? Um, they've got an ascendant uh, Tyrese Halliburton. Um, you know, they brought back Rashawn Holmes, who had a you know, pretty breakout year last year. Um, what do we got Albert going here? Looks great. They're we got Davion Mitchell as a yeah, draft they're very pick, happy with ready to play back. right away with Davion Mitchell. Yeah. I don't know that. I, I mean, my prediction is the Kings as they stand, don't make the play in. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, I wouldn't be shocked, I guess, if they made the play in. Like, maybe they'll be better than San Antonio. Maybe they'll be better than Minnesota, <laughs> Oklahoma City, and Houston. They'll definitely be better than Memphis. That was four not... maybes, though, I'm just saying. I, let's just count those as, <laughs> as yeses. Then. Um, so, yeah, I feel like they could switch swap spots with San Antonio and get in the play-in. I mean, the Trailblazers are vulnerable to me, too. I mean, the... I mean, they'll make they've the playoffs as they stand. But. They've got they got Dame, and in all likelihood, they're for that reason going to make the playoffs. But um, a lot could happen, and a lot could go south pretty quickly with them. But I mean, I think I think you you're sort of grouping the uh, the Kings and by division. I feel like I want to group them as fun teams that might not be that good, which is where they That's were where last, them. which is where they were last <laughs> season. And yeah. I, where I sort of expect them to be this year, but I mean, Halliburton is super fun. Davion Mitchell was super fun. I don't know what happened, but uh, Davion Mitchell uh, locked up James Booknight in summer league. And then he's just dominated in the preseason. Like, uh, I don't know, maybe he like he unlocked something by playing against Davion Mitchell. I, I don't know. But um, that was a super interesting contrast. So, yeah, I think the Kings will be fighting for that 10 seed 
Um, but I don't expect too much more than that. Right. What do you all think about the Warriors? You know, I'm not a, I'm not a fan of the Warriors in the sense that like I, like, I, I don't really care one way or the other, but I just mean like, I feel like that affords me some kind of distance on it. Um, I understand all of the hardcore Warriors fans and the, um, the major players of the Warriors like Draymond and like Steph feeling that, you know, we have limited time, but I like their young core. I like the idea that you develop a team, you know, sort of Spurs style and you, you had a downtime in what was a, a really historic run and it gives you a chance to maybe keep it going um, in a different iteration. And um, so not everything that, that I think about the Warriors is on this timeline of like the, there must be a long playoff run this year. The idea that you could develop James Wiseman, who I think um, because of the, this discourse around the, the Warriors needing to win now um, has been kind of like needlessly um, disparaged. Yeah. Um, I, I think mean, the, I, I don't know. I guess what I would say is they do need to win now. Like the best play, one of the best players in franchise history, maybe the best, but Wilt played there, but you know, maybe his best years weren't there, but like the star of the franchise is still really good and he's getting older. They need to win now. Like you just don't waste yeah. the years of a player of this guy's talent when he's You can there. say that, but the, but the, there's a trade-off, of course. And, and we understand that is part of the reason why the trades haven't already happened. You can't just... You I'm, know, not, I'm not necessarily even saying they should trade everyone, but I'm saying that like, I'm saying that there's a way to walk both lines that they, I think they could have done it better. Like, I think they're in a good place this season. They reshaped the coaching staff more for development, but it just seemed like last year they did, they weren't quite sure which direction they were going in and they hadn't really picked a direction. They were trying to do the two directions, but they didn't even really pick the direction. You know, they were saying they didn't want to chase wins last year, but then, you know, James Wiseman got injured and they played like seven or eight guys and they started kicking people's butts and they got into the play in. So it's just, I think they're in a better position this year. Like I said, the coaching staff is reshaped. I like Moses Moody. I kind of like um, Kaminga. I'm not sure about him, you know, about the shooting and things like that. But he has a physicality to his game that I think immediately translates uh, in a way he's that he's 19 like, years old. Yeah. Like Andrew Wiggins does not have that kind of physicality. He's never kind of had that ability to like, move people the way Jonathan Kaminga does. So there's real potential and talent there. And I don't think we can like foreclose on James Wiseman being good, but I, I just, I can't not say this. Like if they had drafted LaMelo ball, they, their <laughs> biggest need would be taken care of. Like they, what do they need? They need someone to run the offense when Steph Curry is not on the floor. If they, if they had LaMelo ball, they'd already have that. And they also don't want to play with a traditional center anyways. Like their best lineup is with Draymond and they drafted a center. I get it. It's for the future. I get it. But the position is also being devalued. Like there's just like, I mean, the like one I said, trouble, the one yeah. trouble with that is you do have LaMelo maybe not wanting to run the offense just when Steph Curry is off the floor. But who has better player. trade value in that scenario, though? Yeah. 
if yeah. if the if the plan is to win now, if that's what the stars want and that's what they want, then Lamelo is going to have much better trade value, and is probably going to land you a better package. But yeah. I agree with you. I think you're right to to point out that there's reason to to be calm in the Bay Area and kind of trust the front office. And I think largely I do, but I find myself sort of having a strong reaction to Joe Lacob sort of I'm in love with my own imageness of him <laughs> loving his draft prospects. And he might be right, you know, they might all work out and then he'll be right. But it does feel like a situation where Joe Lacob is like these draft prospects are my ticket to like stamping putting my imprint on the on the organization and the community and the area and all that sort of stuff and yeah it's just it just has to work i guess that's the that's the thing for whatever it's worth i kind of like the warriors this year as long as clay comes back relatively healthy i'm not sure how much the five's gonna matter in that lineup i like the 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 veterans they brought in with porter and belitza and bringing back Juan Toscano Anderson and just sort of those, all of those sort of glue guys that help get it done. I kind of like this lineup. You know, we were just talking about the Clippers and everybody's so high on them. I think the Warriors finish ahead of the Clippers. this season. Yeah, I think so too. Let's move to another team. We haven't discussed much, but a lot of, uh, a lot of people are talking about at the top. I still find a little good difficulty in doing so. It's the Utah jazz. Um, Everybody likes them. They like their second-round pick, Jared Butler. Um, we've watched them flame out in the playoffs. We've watched Gobert be played off the court in the playoffs. Is this really a championship team like everybody wants to believe? You got to hope so for the Utah fans. Um, probably their best chance was last year. They, um, <laughs> That's brutal, Kyle. It. <laughs> not untrue just sort of like yeah, yeah I, I don't so. see a lot of hope there I just so, don't sometimes the truth is brutal I suppose I mean you know all they did yeah, they picked what, up a what? few backups they, they brought in Rudy, Rudy Gay they um Eric Paschal um trying to Conley's relatively healthy by all accounts Jared Butler has been playing some solid minutes but I don't see that much I don't see a better team here Hassan Whiteside. Sure. <laughs> sure. Another backup that they brought in. Great. I love to hear it. Go Utah Another, Jazz. Basically can't, like, can't play in the playoffs. Yeah. I don't yeah, I just don't see how they ever quite get there. I mean, I guess I don't know. I, I was listening to um I think it was uh the vision preview from David Locke and Adam Mares and uh Danny LaRue. And David Locke was saying that he feels like the, the NBA is just a more wide open space now where p- players who are not in the top five, even maybe top 10 of the league's hierarchy can win you a playoff series. And if you win one playoff series and get some injury luck in the next one, all of a sudden, you know, you're in the final, you're in the conference finals, and then maybe you're in the finals and, you know, you've you've had a magical run so if that's true then the jazz are in a good position because they have a shot yeah they should be a really good team in the in the regular season um and yeah i don't i I, feel like the jazz are just stuck like they need more they need better perimeter defenders to make to 
not put everything on Rudy Gobert in the playoffs. And they also need Rudy Gobert to kind of like take advantage of mismatches in a way that he seemed to be able to do in, in FIBA play, but has never really done in the NBA. So it kind of like, and I just don't know if either or both of those things can happen at the same time. I just think, you know, I really wanted the jazz to win last year in part, just because of, you know, small market team. Um, you know, it's kind of your time. The, the Clippers were already injured. I felt myself just kind of like you know, Donovan Mitchell, you know, like just so much to get behind on that team. And I'll admit that my ire in that series really at a certain point started to fall on Quinn Snyder and fall on him pretty hard. Like understanding how much he's done to, to, you know, to build that team and that their, you know, regular season run was, you know, largely, um, you know, a credit to what he's been able to institute in terms of their schemes. But it was just clear that they needed to change. And it was very like, and this is also like, we have the benefit of hindsight here where we were able to watch um, the Olympics and we saw Rudy Gobert play a very different style in, in the Olympics than what he played in Utah. And particularly against the Clippers, it was the defensive style. Like he seemed to have this mandate that he had to stay, you know, in the paint um, and that he couldn't go you know, too far out from there. And he would just kind of like stop. And like he had to in that series go out to the three-point line and guard this small lineup that the Clippers were running at him. And he proved in international basketball that he could do that, that that was part of his game. He's perfectly competent moving out and playing the three-point line. And so I just don't understand, you know, the, the, like why this kind of like, you know, unshakable doctrine that they couldn't like adjust from. And I mean, I do still think that they, they're going to have a, a really hard uphill climb to be able to replicate what they did in the, the regular season last year and put them on a footing where they might be considered a team that could even make it out of the Western conference with a very weakened, I think top runner with the Lakers. Like I think the Lakers are like beatable, but I think the the Jazz are going to have to like really change their their um, their game plan um, and change the way that they go about ha- you know handling their schemes if they're going to do this. I think the what's interesting about this conversation is like we were talking about how people are positive, really high in the Clippers, and we're like we're not so sure about it. We're talking about how there's mixed feelings about the Warriors. We're talking about how the Lakers don't look great in the preseason. Um, you know, Portland seems steady because they got some you know they got Larry Nance and uh they Norman Powell so their roster seems pretty fairly well balanced Nurkic um will hopefully be healthy and I think really what we're saying is that like the west is kind of wide open to some degree like Utah and Phoenix seem like the most well-rounded um regular season teams um as they were last season Dallas could be but i am inclined not to trust jason kidd as a head coach yeah um tough to do and portland could be sort of steady if they can defend well enough and if you know things don't go too poorly that dame kind of wants out 
but everyone else, you know, Kawhi's injured, Jamal Murray's injured, Clay Thompson is injured. Um, the Lakers are a new team. They're putting it all together. So they're going to have some growing pains. So it feels like things are pretty open. And I think that works in the favor of teams like the Jazz and the Suns because they, they'll have that continuity that might give them a little bit of a head start at the beginning of the season. So I think they'll be fine in the regular season. And as usual, the question is what's going to happen in the postseason for the Jazz. And I think the discussion about the West being wide open leads us to the Memphis Grizzlies and how you two are really high on them. You yeah, were, no, you no, were no, reading no. You my just, mind. I thought you, you were making me up. up the, you just brought up the Mavs. We can't not talk about the Mavs now. I mean, like maybe we come back to them, but I feel like <laughs> now is like, I agree with the perception on Jason Kidd's run in Milwaukee. Um, and I also think that he's Jason Kidd's a pretty smart dude. And I think that he's learned a fair amount, um, you know, coaching the Lakers in the last couple of years. And I don't think that he's going to make the, the exact same mistakes. He, he may make different mistakes, um, <laughs> but they, they might not be as consequential as the absolutely like catastrophic mistakes that he made it, with the Bucks. What I, I, why I wanted to stay on the Mavs for a second though, was because I think that they're more interesting than what we're giving credit because I think part of the problem with Porzingis um, was that there, I think that he and Carlisle, uh, th that there just was not a CNI eye to eye there. And I think, you know, this is just a feel. I don't really know exactly how to couch it other than just say it's just my perception of watching, you know, Chris Stapps in, in on the Knicks and then, um, you know, alongside Luca here in Dallas that, he seems to be someone who uh, he really needs to sort of like feel out his game in a way to like, like have, like he needs to feel like he has his place, you know? And um, I think that Jason Kidd could help him do that. I think that I really do think that Rick Carlisle was preventing that from happening in certain ways. Now, certainly the numbers don't bear out that like Chris Stapps Przingis should be playing on the block. Like he should not right. be playing. No, he in the definitely post. should not be playing on the block. But maybe there's some middle ground to be found now that he's internalized that and that he's he's interacting with a different coach, not the coach who told him don't play on the block. You know, mm -hmm. and I just think that like that's a, that's a crucial part of what they need of their success. They need Przingis to play well, and I actually expect him to play better this year. I, I think undoubtedly we'll see uh, Porzingis play better. Uh, we, we've seen some recovery from the injury. He's moving better. He's shooting better. Um, we, there was a preseason game where he looked pretty great. Um, and I think we also see Chase and Kidd already making personnel adjustments. Um, for instance, uh, there was, I, I wish I could remember the metric, but um, there was a metric showing how much better Porzingis was when Powell was on the floor. And now Powell's starting. Like early stuff had him as the eighth man on, on the Mavericks, but we have a healthy Powell and we have a healthy Porzingis. And the improvement on that team is going to come from the incremental improvements of somebody like Luca, uh, maybe Jalen Brunson. Um, but it's like Porzingis actually getting back to some old version of himself is going to be the thing that propels them. 
it's still a big question. And I have a lot of doubts about Jason Kidd and his coaching style, despite all the praise everybody's been throwing on his last two years in, in, in Los Angeles. Um, there was already a statement where somebody was asking him about shot makeup for the team. And he suggested they might not be taking as many threes this season. Yeah, um, uh, it's, it's a little bringing, worrisome. Uh, yeah, because I was just going to say, because bringing in Reggie Bullock for those Josh Richardson minutes is also significant, you know? Like, one of the things that we saw yeah. particularly in the playoffs was that Luka just didn't have enough shooting around him. Yeah, this is not an endorsement of Jason Kidd's coaching per se, but you don't have to convince me of the of the fact that Rick Carlisle has flaws as a head coach because, <laughs> oh, a well, a I'm inclined not to be a fan because he was shepherding the team that beat the uh, Heat in the finals in 2011. Oh, um, yeah, that's and, a deep dislike right there. Yeah, and also. I'm convinced he's the reason that Shane Larkin is not in the NBA. Um, his time there was sort of rocky. And to be clear, I think Shane Larkin is quite happy um, not being in the NBA and like donning the cover of Turkish GQ and balling out in the Turkish league. But, you know, I don't get to watch it, so I'm not that happy about it. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I, I'm, you don't have to sell me on the, on the flaws of one Rick Carlisle, but that said, I mean, I think his his sort of X's and O's chops and his um, yeah. dexterity as a coach are pretty, you know, unimpeachable. And I don't think Jason Kidd has those same qualities, or at least he hasn't demonstrated them yet, although he hasn't had the chance of late, obviously, because he wasn't a head coach. But the comments are kind of scary that have been coming yeah. out in yeah. the preseason about them not, as you said, not taking as many threes about Porzingis getting on the block more and like there there are ways in which that can work out right like if Porzingis just catches the ball on the block turns around and shoots over the person guarding him without trying to back them down or put the ball on the floor that's that can work that's probably going to be more efficient he's a good shooter and he has the height to shoot over people if he's trying to back people down he has no lower body strength so that's not really going to work and that's going to lead to a tough fadeaway so there are like small tweaks in which maybe those plays can work. But as you said, if you have Reggie Bullock on your team um, and players like Sterling Brown, Dorian Finney-Smith, like those are three and D guys. They need to be taking threes and defending yeah. well. Yeah. So this idea that the team's not going to take many threes doesn't really make sense, especially since Luca is basically the archetypal spread pick and roll uh, and a bunch of shooters like LeBron. So it's just, that seems to be the way you should play. So. Yeah. Yeah. The only, the, the last thing I'll throw in about the Mavericks, I was looking at the roster today and they will still, and I, I think this is a holdover from their old era. Maybe it'll change moving forward. They're still going to have one of the best second units in basketball. It's yeah. a, it's a strong second five. They run out there. Um, yeah. So good for I the like, regular season. Not so much for the playoffs. I don't know. It still doesn't bode that well for me, but yeah. Yeah. And, it, and it's hard. It's really hard to gauge depth on these teams. You know, we were yeah. talking about the Warriors, the Clippers, and uh, now the Mavericks. And like, I feel like the Warriors depth is a little bit shakier because, you know, Otto Porter Jr. Hasn't been super healthy. Nemanja Bielitsa sure. is a defensive liability. Moses Moody is a rookie. And the Clippers yeah. have some like better depth, even though guys like Marcus Morris have been, I mean, he's not a depth piece. He's a starter, but like, 
you know, um, Batum has been injury prone in his career and is sure. a bit older. Man is young and is going to be stepping into a larger role. And Winslow then you have the injuries. And then you have, yeah, Winslow has a history of injuries. And then the Mavs, they're sort of in the middle. It seems like their depth yeah. pieces are pretty reliable. You know, guys like Jalen Brunson and Reggie Bullock had really good seasons last year. Maxi Kleba is like sometimes not hitting shots, but is generally really good on defense right. um, and like plays his role well. So it seems like like they almost feel like the safer bet. But they're made volatile by the fact that we don't really know what's up with Jason Kidd. We just don't know how his yeah. leadership is going to affect the team. Yeah, yeah. Um, so let's um, – we, we've been talking a lot about who's going to be in, who's going to be out. I want to talk about one team that definitely is not going to be in the hunt for the championship this year. But, you know, a few years down the road, I cannot wait to see what they do in Houston. Raphael Stone has done some incredible – work there uh bringing in guys last year the draft picks this year um along with the detroit pistons the 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 preseason games i'm making sure to watch are the houston rockets they make a ton of mistakes but they're really fun to watch have you caught any of those yeah i i did i I watched uh i think one and like a game and a half of the rockets preseason's game preseason game and yeah they have a lot of talent um you know i saw josh christopher get hot in the meaningless in some meaningless fourth quarter minutes that was fun that that tied the game that they went on to win in overtime and it would not have happened without josh christopher (laughs) and he was just getting minutes late to get the guy minutes they were running a lot of guys out there before that yeah you know kevin porter jr's been uneven let's say he's looked amazing he's looked pretty rough um same with jalen green the five they picked up with a 16 shangun is 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 incredible mm-hmm. um i saw some minutes with him and and wood playing together so, last wait night. a minute it was so, good so i i really like shangun and i also really like the idea of getting our podcast to other people and knowing that christian wood can make a response to people who are dishing on him in a way maybe do we dish on uh you know, Christian Wood a little bit and say that it's time for Shingun to come in and maybe the new era <laughs> should start now. And maybe, maybe we get, maybe we get a Christian Wood reaction that, uh, you know, sends us out to a lot of people. <laughs> maybe, why, why don't you give that a shot? Um, I, I, I mean, Wood, he's probably gone at this trade deadline or the next one. I mean, like he's not a piece on their timeline i meant it kind way. of seriously nope. though too yeah but it's because- tr- it's true like he's not like he was brought in for a purpose that they didn't like they, they didn't realize they wouldn't need him but it's not just um shengun i mean who is actually a center and they can play in minutes together as you were right. mentioning but but they also mostly put- playing at the four yeah but they also picked up Uz- uzman garuba who i think that yeah. you know you yeah. know also is deserving of some playing time. And I'm not sure, you know, Jay Sean Tate played a lot of power forward last year. And so I, I think that they have like a lot of minutes to kind of go around it there. I think you're right. I think that we could see Christian Wood. That's a fun trade to think about actually. I, right? I could see where, Wood and Tate both being players. Where, where do you, where would you want to see Christian Wood go? I mean, as a um I, I mean, anywhere that's going to finally give him a role. I, I, you know, I'm a little miffed that Detroit let him go, but I guess I get it. Um, um, 
I mean, I, I feel like there's a lot of need on a lot of teams where somebody like um, Christian Wood would be a great addition. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if Christian Wood's ever going to get the shake, you know, the fair shake he, he thought he might get with these different teams. He came into Houston on what he thought would be a winning team that obviously shifted really quickly. Now he's playing on a bad team, but a lot of guys are sort of running past him already. Yeah. So, I don't know. I think I'll be the contrarian here. I mean, I don't think Shangun is going to be better than Christian Wood this year. I don't think it's crazy to suggest that he might be traded at this deadline or a future one, just because as you say, he doesn't really fit the timeline of the rest of the young guys, Yeah, but it's just a question of like, is he like really blocking anyone? Like, because I mean, Shangun doesn't seem right. like a player that you would start if he's going to be a center. He seems more like a, a score first center off the bench. You know, maybe he steps sure. into that role and he, he gets better on defense and, and then he becomes a viable starter. But my guess is it won't happen this year. So I think uh, Wood is safe this year. And I think, you know, I think the, the point about Jay Sean Tate is a good one. I feel like he may be the player who's most minimized this season. Um, just, you know, whether they want to give minutes to Josh Christopher, whether they want to give minutes Martin. to Shangun. Uh, yeah, Martin. Martin at the three or the four. He's been kind of great. Just the mere fact that they have Daniel Tice, if they want to play two bigs, Tice and Wood, yeah. which it seems like they're going to do to start games. That means yep. there's like maybe going to be less room for, um, for Jay Sean Tate. You know, if they want to play multiple guards, maybe he can play in the, in the, in those lineups. I mean, what his, I mean, I guess he's listed as a forward, but you know, he's pretty flexible. Yeah. So yeah, I think it's probably bad news for Jay Sean Tate's fantasy output, but I mean, also it's weird that Daniel Tice is on this team um, because he really doesn't fit the timeline though. Maybe he's just there for like veteran leadership. And I think he's a like, placeholder for now. He's the, he, he's the Rockets Mason Plumley. Well, yeah. I actually thought that, so, exactly. so Tice, <laughs> yeah. Tice was my, part of my consideration here. I, I of course, don't think that Shingun is going to be better than Christian Wood this year. Christian Wood has been great the last couple of seasons, and it's actually Shingun because he's going to be so good. And yeah, he's going might to be, not be this but that, year, but, that, but, but like... it's just not going to be this year. <laughs> but sure. the thing is, is that Christian Wood is good this year, and he's a good player who does a lot of things that yeah. contending teams need, where he would be, you know, just a good trade chip and they've got a lot of talent to play competent basketball when you know after they trade him you know yeah. daniel tice you know jay sean tate as we've mentioned um and and you know i think getting some minutes for garuba and all this are also going to be um you know good for because clearly the the rockets are in no way trying to win I mean, they, they couldn't care about winning. No, anything. they don't want to win this season or next season. They're still loaded with picks that they can get a ton of value for moving forward. So I think, yeah, we'll see some of these moves. I'm not sure how they'll piece them out. It could be Christian Wood's expiring contract next year. Um, but, but yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll continue to see a moving lineup. I think, and I think the question for, for Christian Wood is that he hasn't really had a chance to show whether or not he can be an impactful, a positively impactful two-way player on like a contending team. So yeah. if you're trading for him and you're like trying to win a championship, are you confident that he can play in like a switch scheme or are you confident that he can be the primary like rim protector on a team that's trying to win a championship? 
I mean, if he were to, and he's not really going to have the chance to prove that ahead of such a trade, but right. if he had, I would almost guarantee that a team comes in with a big offer to, to take care of him. But, uh, you know, I think this is an interesting fantasy team because yeah. I think if you're in like, uh, if you're in a keeper or dynasty format, trying to get Jalen green seems really smart. He's probably going to be pretty inefficient this year, but he's going to take a lot of shots and he'll probably get hot on some nights and have some high scoring numbers. And Kevin Porter jr. I I tweeted this. I'm sort of like my question with KPJ is whether or not he has the, the juice, the athleticism, the mix of skill and athleticism to be a guy who gets to the rim a lot Um, I'm not even really concerned whether or not he's finishing when he gets there, but if he can get there, then that allows him to get to his step back so much uh, more frequently and with so much more effectiveness. If he has to rely on the threat of the step back as like his only way of getting by guys, then that like limits his effectiveness. And so I think that's my question with, with, um, with him, but yeah, I mean, this is a really interesting, interesting team. I think they will be fun to watch. And they won't be good, but they will be fun to watch. Let's we, we alluded to it earlier. Let's talk about another really fun team. They've been a league pass team of mine for a couple of years now, ever since they drafted John Morant. The Memphis Grizzlies just got a lot more fun, I think. Jaw hasn't quite exploded like some people thought. I think this could be the year for him. Um, Jaron Jackson Jr. coming back has looked amazing in preseason. They got a couple of other young guys who seem on the cusp, possibly. DeAnthony Melton, along with Desmond Bain. Um, they still have Kyle Anderson, Brandon Clark, Dylan Brooks. This is a fun team that gets up and down the court, puts up a lot of shots, just plays hard and really likes playing together. Does Memphis finally move into the playoff picture this year in a, you know, stronger way than they have before? Are they a real contender here? Or are they not ready yet? Yeah. I mean, I think that the, the reason part of my hesitation about the Grizzlies being like a contender is the fact that it seems like the front office has indicated that they're willing to take things slower. You know, I think that's yeah. what the Steven Adams uh, trade signaled to me because I just don't think Steven Adams is as good uh, as um, I'm blanking on the name. Yeah. Uh, Jonas Valanciunas. I just don't think Steven Adams is as good as Jonas Valanciunas and, and, Obviously, I don't think the contract objectively situation. definitely not. <laughs> yeah. and, and I think that like they probably didn't want to pay him maybe, but like it's a it's a step. It's a downgrade. And so yeah. and, you know, they drafted Zaire Williams, who's like uh, not a project, but someone who has like, you know, high upside, low floor, I think, type of player. It seems like they're on the search for like a real third star, uh, a second yeah. playmaker to go alongside Jaw. Um, and and Jaron Jackson Jr. So it feels like they're okay with taking a step back. Now, that said, I don't know if John Morant, Jaron Jackson Jr., and, and DeAnthony Melton are okay with taking a step back. They might win <laughs> almost despite the front office. You yeah. Know? yeah. I actually, this is the thing is, I don't know that the two are so at odds with one another, which the front office trading Jonas Valanciunas for Steven Adams and the players wanting to win because – there's also the way that, you know, Jaron Jackson was out most of last season and the two games that I've watched him in the preseason, he looks 
breakout. I mean, he looks like everything that he's we knew. He's a different that player that we, we've seen. He's also just huge. I mean, like, like some, so, some, like, so I'm now. a Michigan, I'm a Michigan State basketball fan. So in part, part of my memory is like Jaron Jackson still he's a skinny like kid, lanky kid in you know at Michigan State. The, the dude is has filled out, and he he just he just bullies people around now. They don't need Stephen Adams to even be on the court. Jaron Jackson is a legitimate six <laughs> eleven center in the league who can play, you know, a five out style, or he can just go in and, you know, guard your average NBA center. Like he, he's going to give them a ton of flexibility. And I don't know. They're just like, they're so deep, man. I look at their team. It's like, they can just run out 10, 12 players. And I'm like, yep. Competent. Those, those guys are competent. Like all of these, like you're talking about Kyle Anderson still there. Desmond Bain um, has been looking good in the preseason. He looked good last year during the regular season, you know, Brandon Clark, um, who we didn't think of as, you know, he's barely getting minutes now, but has been quite good at other points. Exactly. Like the thing is like, if, if he's just a guy who you're going to be bringing off your bench, who has proven himself to be a competent NBA player as well. And, you know, I, I think you're just in great Don't forget shape. about the other Spartan Xavier Tillman. I like Tillman so much. Yeah. <laughs> I really yeah. like Tillman. No, and I they think that's in a Chris good call. Dunn. Chris Dunn, you know, like another, just like backup who, you know, had an injury riddled season last year, who I've always liked. And I think when you're going to be putting very little pressure on him and with so many other competent players around him in a second unit, I think he could be really successful. I feel a little bad for Tyus Jones. He's slid down the depth chart in a terrible way this off season. Yeah. Sorry, go ahead, Kyle. I was just going to say, when you've got Chris Dunn coming in, who who can do most of the offensive things that Tyus Jones was doing, yep. and play a lot better defense, and at a you know he's a bigger player. He's he's got three inches, I think, on Tyus Jones. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think I guess what I would say is, um, I think that's a good call, Kyle. And I think we're saying we're kind of saying the same thing and maybe like, I guess to reiterate or rephrase maybe a a better way of saying is it, I think that the front office is, you know, it's natural for the players and the team to want to win every game in the front office to have larger goal or more long-term goals in mind. That's like not surprising or new in any way, but I think, I guess maybe what I'm saying is the front office is comfortable with the team taking a step back. Obviously not that they want to, but that they're comfortable with it. And in that comfortability with the team taking a step back is the hope that all of their players will take a step forward. They've essentially removed some of the guardrails. Like they've removed the guardrails, especially for Jan Jackson Jr. Right. Because Steven Adams is not the offensive threat. Uh, that Valanchunas is so it's like Jaron Jackson Jr. we need you to space the floor like the one of the best three-point big men we've ever seen but we also might need you to score more inside the arc as well we want we want to see what you can do fully you know Um, there's going to be less reason for him to only stand outside the the three-point line and shoot threes without Valanchunas and in the same way um, DeAnthony Melton I think should get more opportunity now the the Sam Merrill trade um, I think they just they just took a player off the board uh, for the coach. And so now it's like there's fewer reasons not to play DeAnthony Melton. And so we want to see really what DeAnthony Melton is about. Um, hopefully that holds true. We I feel like we've been expecting this to happen for a couple of seasons. <laughs> it's happening. And, it's happening now. I'm telling you, I've seen and, it. And, and somehow <laughs> DeAnthony Melton ends up not playing as, as much as we want. But I think uh, I just saw today uh, on Twitter that 
Brooks is maybe going to miss like two or three weeks recovering from the, I think it's a wrist injury. So that would be good, at least for the start of the season for DeAnthony Melton's fantasy hopes um, and just playing time. So Jarrett Culver gets some of those small forward minutes. No, no. (laughs) Yeah. I was going to say your, your, your guy, Jarrett Culver's on this (laughs) team now. (laughs) I just mean he's, well, I ask, I ask in part just because, you know, DeAnthony Melton's still only six, two. And when you've, you know, Dylan Brooks is what, six, 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 seven, somewhere in there. Um, in any case, they, they're going to need someone else to play bigger. I mean, they can bring in Kyle Anderson, um, you know, play some of those minutes, but they're going to, they're going to need a backup um, small forward and um, Culver, I think oddly was listed as a point guard shooting guard. Um, but I think that like he, he's more natural as a like shooting guard, small forward. Um, and of course they picked him up in trade over the, the off season. He's just another young player who I would think if you're not planning on going anywhere, you would want to find some minutes in at least you sure. know, for the possibility that you could flip him for you know something else. Yeah. I mean, my quick no is simply because in the games I've seen with the Grizzlies, he's gotten almost no court time. It's, it's, it, there, there's still a bunch of people in front of him there. So um, some Derek some Culver ones. and Sekou Dembuya. Oh, no. Sekou, that breaks <laughs> I, my heart I'm, too. He cleared waivers, you know, the last of the Pistons from the former regime. And there's been not a single word out there. Nobody's touched it. He's on the Lakers now. Yeah, oh, he Lakers. did. Oh, when did that I happen? I think he's signed I today. It. I think yeah. he's okay. Uh, okay. signed a two-way to join yeah. the Lakers now. I all thought right. you were bringing it up because of that news. No, yeah, I was on a mountain all day. Western, I just got back, so like I, I missed. No, no, I missed today's Seku, news. So. Seku, Seku is our bridge from the Eastern Conference conversation to the Western Conference conversation. <laughs> all right, I think it brings it all the way back around, and now's the point, Kyle, where you tell us who's going to win the West. That's a very good question. It's probably the Suns. All right. I like your choice. I like it a lot. That, that That's the team I hope for in my heart. Jalen, who you got? I mean, I feel like I should pick the Jazz, but that's against my brand, so I'm yeah. not going to do that. Don't do um, it. Don't do it. <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with the Suns as well. Apologies to friend and maybe no longer friend of the pod, Sam Cheney, a local poet who's from Utah and is a big Jazz fan, but just I'm, I, I can't pick the Jazz, so I'm going to pick the Suns. I mean, I, I, the yeah. reason why I kind of went in on the, the Mavs there was because there is a part of my mind and, and um, you know, Bill Simmons brought this up too, but I just think like Luca's last two playoff runs are have been so transcendent that it would not surprise me if he had a LeBron like run to the finals that he, you know, like that 2007 season where he just like defies all expectation. He makes everybody around him so much better. And maybe Jason Kidd coming in is just the kind of like reorientation that they need, because let's be clear when that coaching change happens, that is also a window for Luca to like kind of ascend to even like greater like voice and power within that team and that organization. And, um, and it might be just what he needs, you know, to, to, you know, and kind of, or I should say just what the team needs to like really rally around him. Yeah, no, I totally agree. Like, I think everyone who's high on the Mavericks, you know, this is not a, that's not an irrational stance. Like, I think, like you said, Luca's been so good in the playoffs and, you know, I think other people have mentioned this, like 
maybe they were just they just got lucky by matching up against the Clippers and maybe they would have been in like a conference finals or something last year if they hadn't matched up with the Clippers like you never know like Luca is that good and if he continues to ascend and Jason Kidd just stays out of the way basically like they could they could be top two in the west who knows yeah yeah um as you guys probably guessed, you know, I, I, I'm picking the Suns here too. Ever since their bubble run where they went 8-0 and and didn't get into the playoffs, because if that would have been a movie, if that would have been a movie, a team winning all those games at the end running up, you get into the playoffs and then you win in the playoffs. And the Suns didn't get that opportunity. I like the Suns here. The, the West is a mess in a way. Um any number of teams could come out. I, I wouldn't be surprised if the Warriors did. I wouldn't be surprised if the Nuggets did. I mean, the Suns were, they were one series away from that like extended movie version ending that you're talking yeah. about. They didn't yeah. get a chance to get in the playoffs <laughs> the next year. So they were more motivated. They got in the following year and they made it all the way to the finals and they almost won, you know, like yeah. it, it, it was really like a great, the Suns just had a great year. And I, I, I don't understand, like, if you don't like watching this version of the Phoenix Suns, I just don't think you like <laughs> basketball. You can't. It's beautiful <laughs> basketball. It's fun to watch. I like everything about them so far. I wish they might have picked up another piece uh, and their owner was willing to spend a little more. But, yeah, DeAndre. You know, that, that's my worry there. The low ball on DeAndre early. Yeah, that, that, um, that hopefully – Hopefully that won't derail them, but it it feels like there might be some bad vibes uh, with that. Yeah, yeah. So there you have it. The Suns will come out of the West. They will lose to whoever comes out of the East. And that is the Shot Tower pod. We are turning off the phantom power. Cheers.